nicknames. I like nicknames. Big fan of nicknames. I, I think nicknames can be funny. Um, they they can be honoring. Um, I just like them. There's a fantasy football league I play in, and my friend Brandon Freda, who's uh, he's one of the pastors at Northern Hills Church in Brighton, and Freda won the league this year. So now every time I'm texting him or every time I'm calling him or even when I see him, I don't call him Freda. I call him Champ. What's up, Champ? Hey, Champ, got a question for you. Champ, what are you doing? You know, I call him Champ. Why? Because he beat all of us all year long, and he won the championship, and he deserves the honor of, for a year, being called Champ. For a year. And hopefully I will be called Champ <laughs> next year, hopefully. But probably not. Uh, with... With Kara, I have many nicknames for her, but the one that means the most is calling her my bride. Hello, my bride. She'll text me, hey, babe, how are you doing? I'm like, my bride, how are you doing? She's the only one in the world that I can use that for, and it, it means something. It's wonderful. Uh, you know, in, in talking to my girls, I have two girls, and I'll say, hello, my girl, how are you, my girl, or, you know, to Acacia or to Cadence. You know, Jordan, even though he's not a boy, he's a man, my boy. How are you, my boy? Because he's the only one that I can say that to. Uh, Captain Euchre over here, retired Air Force. I call him Cap. I'm like, what up, Cap? What up, Captain? I mean, it's, it's Captain America, Cap, whatever. I mean, he just... And the same is true with the Lord. Even more so true with the Lord. The call to relationship with God is also a call to be on mission with the Lord. If you want to know God's will, which in this series that we're on, talking about hearing from God and hearing his will and knowing his will, and we continue in that today, and if you want to know God's will, you must respond to his invitation to love him wholeheartedly, all in, all in. And we can't do this as a, as a mere outsider. We can't do this as someone on the outside looking in, a curious or fearful or skeptical observer. Now, maybe we come into the doors that way. Maybe. We come in skeptical or we come in curious or we come in fearful. Just like we come through those doors, maybe the first time we can come in hurting and broken and wounded. And we can come in those ways. Absolutely. But we can't stay those ways. We can't. We can't stay that way. Not in the presence of an awesome God. Not in the presence of a healing God. Not in the presence of the restorer of souls. Not in the presence of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about, being an observer on the outside. To respond to his invitation for relationship and mission and togetherness. It has to be all in. Where that we say... Lord, you know this, but I'm, I come in wounded and broken. I'm in need of your healing. And we can say that to him because he is the healer.
great nickname. It's a great name. It's not a nickname. That's a name of the Lord, our healer. We can come in skeptical. But we can't stay that way when we're confronted with the way, the truth, and the life. Those are other names of Jesus. If you want to know God's will, you must earnestly respond to his invitation to experience him. See, I can can stand up and I can tell you, like, I'll just, we'll just stay on the Josh train here. We'll just stay here. I can tell you all about my friend. I can tell you all, I can tell you stories of great times we've had together. I can tell you about what a phenomenal musician he is. I can tell you about how he and Megan um, touched people as deacons in this church. I can tell you about Megan and her cookies and everything that Megan makes. And what an incredible cook she is. So I can, I can tell you all these things. But here's when it becomes a reality is when you experience Megan's cookies. When you experience... Uh, the, the wisdom and the love and the tenderness and the strength of a friendship with a dear brother. It's that experience that, that we have to have for it to be real. It's experience with God that we have to have for it to be real. We can't just hear the stories. I'm not here to tell you stories. I'm not here to tell you Bible stories. I'm here to share who Jesus is to me and I hope that in so doing there's an openness in every heart and when we hear his word there's an openness to every heart that we respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and we experience him. We don't keep him at arm's length that we're not on the outside looking in that we step in to him because he's not just here When we trust him, he's here. He makes residence within us. To carry out his kingdom purposes in the world, God works through those he loves. And guess what? He loves you. He loves me. I heard a little Christopher walk in there, and guess what? He loves you. He includes you. He calls you. He's got mission for you. He's got experience for you. Keep this in mind. It's not out of obligation that we respond. It's out of affection. Because as much as we're included in this plan and this call, what he wants is relationship. What he wants is Followers who love him, not just who are blindly obedient, which obedience does matter to the Lord. It's, it's, it might be his greatest love language. If you love me, you keep my commands, he says. If you love me, you will obey, he says. He wants those who love. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What that is, is I can tell you love me because you're walking with me. You're doing what I, what I say. You're trusting me and you're walking with me so I can see the love. So friends, in today's message, we're going to look at how God invites us to become connected with him and his work. 
I think we all know this to be true if we'll think about it. But we will never be satisfied just knowing about God. That's not, that's not satisfying. That's not satisfying to the soul, just knowing about God. Knowing Him satisfies. Experiencing Him affects our lives and then affects the lives of others. Because when we experience God, we share. I ordered sandwiches yesterday for Cadence and I. We were the only two at home. And she's like, hey, can you look over my order to, to make sure it's right? I looked over her order. I'm like, uh, you have vinaigrette on here. Was that intentional? She's like, no, no. I'm like, okay, I didn't think so. Let's take that off. Something as simple as knowing my daughter and her sandwich preferences. I'll, I'll tell this story a million times. I can't tell this story enough, but decades ago, I was working as creative director for a company in Wheat Ridge, and short lunch breaks, I ran to Costco, grabbed a hot dog and, and a slice of pizza at the Costco in Arvada, and then was heading back, and I was going through neighborhoods. And I, I speed on the highway. I do. I mean, like, appropriately speed. Like, 85 is good. That's... It's appropriate. Okay. Yeah. But I, I don't speed in neighborhoods because I care about kids. So I was going through this neighborhood, but I wasn't speeding. And I'm looking around, and, and I'm surprised at how many kids there were. And I see this little girl over here on the right. And the Lord tells me, slow down. She's going to jump in front of your car. And I'm startled. I'm like, what? So I immediately put my foot over the brake. I'm like, what? And I start slowing down. And again, he says, she's going to jump in front of the car. Stop. And on the left, I see motion and a door opens on the left. And it's a mom who comes to the door and she sees her girl. And she, you know, she's like, hi, sweetie, or something. I don't know. And the girl's on this side of the street. She sees her mom. She's so excited. What does she do? She darts in front of my car. And I'm watching the whole thing unfold. So I slam on the brakes it's probably five, six feet. It's not like, I'm not going to say I missed her by an inch. It was probably five, six feet. But I'm telling you, the minute she took a step, I, I pounded the floorboard with my right foot. The girl stopped in front of me, screamed, the mom screamed. And, and there were no more, she's like, wait, there were no more cars. She's like, come here. And, and she had that mix of fear and relief that's expressed in anger, you know, that every mom has in a situation like that or any parent would have. And she ran across. And the mom, she's just hugging her. She waves to me. And I start crying. I'm like, you just saved that girl's life and you just saved my life. You just saved my life. He saved my life in that moment. He saved her life. He saved that family. He did amazing things in that moment by just speaking. And I knew his voice, so I responded. What would my life be if I had hit a child? Possibly wounded or killed a child. I mean, my life would be changed forever. So I'm crying. I'm laughing. I'm crying. I'm like, 
you're amazing. I'm shouting. I get back to work. And I'm telling anyone who will listen, and there's not a lot of Christians in this place, I'm like, i got to tell you this story. Something just happened. This is how much God loves you and loves me and loves this little girl. And He's the protector of my future. Jesus is the protector of my future. In that moment, he protected my future. He is the protector of children. Whatever names we could give him, the minute we step, we call out that name, we remember his work. Moses. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, we're going to be in Exodus 3, we're going to be in Exodus 4, we're going to talk about Moses. We're going to read a passage here from verses 13 and 14 about Moses at the burning bush. And I want us to remember Moses, like hero of the faith, Moses. Like in the Hebrew Hall of Fame, Moses, right? So Exodus three thirteen, this is Moses at the burning bush and he asked God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. When God said, I am who I am, he was saying, I am the eternal one. I will be who I will be. And I will be enough. I will be everything you need. That's what he's saying in that statement. When Moses asked God, what shall I say to them? What was he expressing? Fear. He was expressing fear. Fear of not being enough. Fear of, of, of coming in his own name. Fear of being made to look stupid and foolish and not having the right words. Even though Moses had just seen the burning bush. Pretty miraculous. Pretty incredible experience. Even though he had that experience right then and there. And he's having dialogue with the Lord. He's still full of fear and doubt. You see, Moses knows who he is. Moses knows himself. Moses knows that in a rage and in a hothead moment of false indignation that he killed a man. So Moses knows that he's on the run, that he's a fraud, that he puts on a different face for everybody because he knows he's he's a killer, he's a murderer, he's... So when God starts talking to him about using him, it's normal for Moses to start backpedaling and questioning, going, you you chose the wrong guy. You don't know me. His expression to God was, 
what if they question that I know you? But what he was saying is, you must not know me or you'd never choose me. You must not know me or you would never call me to this. Friends, if we can stop right now, we are no different. We disqualify ourselves at every turn. Lord, if you knew my past, you'd never want to use me. Lord, if you knew what I did this morning, you'd never want to use me. Lord, if you know the anger that I sometimes feel, Lord, you'd never want to use me. Lord, if you know. Lord, if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me and accept me and choose me and want me. And I've got news for you. He knows. He knows you. He knows you and he loves you. He knows what you've done and he loves you. Because he's the great redeemer. He's the redeemer of your soul. He's the forger of your future. At this point, God, or I'm sorry, Moses could call God the burning bush on the mountain. But soon he would have new, more personal, more experiential names for God. Soon he, he could say, you're the one who removes my stutter. You're the one who strengthens my words. You're the one who sways hearts. You're the one who causes them to hear. You're the king of all pharaohs. Friends, our our God is the deliverer of the oppressed. He's the annihilator of fear. Man, break out the thesaurus. Like, Like, what are the names that we call our awesome God? Because I think sometimes we use generic ones that, that don't mean anything to us and that we, that we haven't experienced and we fall short of expressing just who he is. He's the saver of my freaking marriage. He's the healer of my child. At the time of the burning bush, Moses knew that he wasn't up to the task of God. Moses knew that he wasn't enough, and Moses was right. Moses was absolutely right. Moses was not enough. He was right. He's not enough. In and of himself, by his own strength, with his own persuasive skills, with his own, you know, gifts of oration, he wasn't enough. But by the anointing and the empowering of God, he was more than a conqueror. And that is who we are, friends. We need to quit looking at ourselves and then disqualifying ourselves saying, I'm not enough. Yes, that's right. By yourself, you're not enough. But with with God, man, you are a mountain. You are a force of godly power with his strength. You're a a deliverer of grace and freedom to the bound with his anointing. Let's look at the fear of Moses of this invitation before the other experiences. So I'm going to rattle off a few verses. I'm just going to just go and and these are, this is Moses's Hebrew Hall of Fame, Moses. 
this is Moses' response to God. Uh, Exodus 3.11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 13. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent to me, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Exodus 4.1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me. They will not listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Exodus 2 and 3. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, Moses said. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses what? Ran from it. Totally understandable to run from snakes. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying. But this was like... This used to be his staff a second earlier. God said, throw it to the ground. He threw it to the ground, saw it, and then he ran. That's, uh. Verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Verse 13. But Moses said, Oh, my Lord, please Send someone else. Hebrew Hall of Fame Moses. What changed? He started to experience God. He started to experience God and the things that God said he would do. Guess what? God did them. The instruction God would give him, Moses obeyed and trusted, even though he was fearful and unqualified and full of doubt. But he started having experience after experience. And over the next 40 years, the experiences that Moses had with God is what elevated him, if you will, to that place of honor that we look at him today and we go, Moses, S on his chest, red cape, Moses. Man of God, mighty man of God, deliverer out of the bondage of Egypt to the children of Israel, the people of Israel. Moses experienced God in remarkable ways, time after time, as God revealed that he was truly everything that Moses needed. In the Bible, we see that God takes the initiative to bring about that experience. You don't got to you don't got to work it up. You don't got to do like, you know, 50 hallelujah jumping jacks and God takes the initiative. He takes the initiative because he wants an experience with us because he knows that experience will give us strength. It will give us boldness. It will wipe away the disqualifications that we have placed on our life or that others have placed on our life. And we grow in faith. In the Bible we see that and in reality we see that. He takes the initiative. 
He has an experience for you. He is not a respecter of persons. There are so many little submissions that he has within his big mission of reaching the lost with his love, of bringing healing to the brokenhearted. He has so many of these missions within the mission. He has room for all of us. And when God revealed himself to these people in the Bible and they experienced God, guess what they did? They, these average Joes, gave God a new name. It's amazing. These average men and women gave God a new name that brought to mind the works of God. A faithful God, a forgiving God, a fortress of salvation, a refuge for his people. These are names of God. A refuge for the needy in distress, a shade from the heat. Ah, isn't that beautiful? My God, a shade from the heat. I mean, that just tells you right there. A shelter from the storm. My God, a source of strength. A stronghold in times of trouble. An ever-present help in trouble. These are names average men gave to God. What names will you give to God? What names will you give to God that are indicative, that coincide with the experience you've had with God? When you think back to the ways he's been faithful, what names did you give him for that act of faithfulness? Because when you say the name, what do you do? You remember the act. And you don't just remember it here. Like you remember it in, in, your, in your bones. Like you remember it with your emotion. You remember it with your feeling. For the Hebrew, a person's name represented his character or described his nature. And it should be the same with us, especially in the naming of our awesome God. To know God by name required a personal experience of his presence. Biblical names, titles, and descriptions of God identify how people in the Bible personally came to know God. The Bible is actually just a record of God's personal revelation of himself to mankind. And he didn't stop with the personal revelation to that person or that character in the Bible, that real life person that lived in the Bible, but he's still revealing his character, his goodness, his might, his power to us today. Each name of God is a part of that revelation. I, I told you when I started, we can't sit on the outside and be satisfied in this thing. We can't be an outside observer and expect this thing to bring satisfaction to us. It doesn't work that way. We have to be all in. Hey, God understands your doubt. God understands your fear. God understands that some of you have murdered that guy in that fit of rage a few years back. Or whatever the sin is that you think is unforgivable. Whatever the flaw is that you think disqualifies you, God knows. And I'm pretty certain none of you guys killed the guy a few years back. Pretty certain. 
But dare I say, even, even if it's true, you're not disqualified from the grace of God, from the works of God, from the mission of God. My advocate, are told in Job 16, 19, comforter in sorrow, Jeremiah 8, 18, wonderful counselor, Isaiah 9, 6, my strong deliverer, Psalm 147. Have you experienced God in some of those ways? Wonderful counselor. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I don't know what to do. I've blown this again and again and again. Lord, what should I do? What we're calling out saying is, Lord, I need your wise counsel. Has he been wonderful counselor to you? Is that a name that you can share that talks about the experience you've had with God? Our sure foundation, Isaiah 28, 16. Our guide, Psalm 48, 14. Bread of life, John 6, 35. My confidence, Psalm 71.5. He is my confidence again and again and again. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a graphic designer. I don't know what I'm doing, Lord. But you're my confidence, and you've never failed me yet. My confidence is in you. So I'm listening, Lord. Speak to me. What do you want to say to your people this week? He is my confidence again and again and again. And all of y'all should say, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that Mark's just not up there babbling without your, your guidance and your counsel. Because we can't call God by these names if we haven't experienced him and we can't experience him if we won't say yes to him. I mean, you saw how much Moses protested again and again and again. But there came a point, whether it was just because of the tenacity of the Lord or what, that Moses was like, fine, fine, fine. I'll shake him when we get out on the desert. I'll shake him. He won't be able to follow me. I'm elusive. At some point he said yes. And the next thing that happened was an experience where he saw God's faithfulness, where he saw God's goodness, where he made a name for the Lord. And he continued with the next step. Aren't we hungry to call him by these names? Names that speak of his grace and his forgiveness and his love and his redemption and his restoration and his wisdom and his guidance, his counsel, his strength. That he won't quit on us. That he's never ran out on us. That he's tenacious in his love for us. Remember God's words to Moses. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I am everything you will need. Faithful and true. We're told in Revelation 19. My friends in Job 16.20. My hiding place in Psalm 37.7. My righteous judge in 2 Timothy 4.8. My righteous judge. Lord of the harvest in Matthew 9. So without you answering out loud, but with you giving intentionality to your life 
and the works of God. How have you experienced God? Think about it. Let the Holy Spirit bring it to your remembrance. That's one of the things that Jesus raved about the Holy Spirit. said, hey, he'll bring all things to your remembrance. So Holy Spirit, even now, bring this to our remembrance, how you have worked in our lives. Pretty good chance we didn't put a name to it. Because that's just not, I mean, that's just not what we do, right? That's, but, but from now on, maybe we should. What name can you put to those experiences you've had with God? Think about it. Are you hungry for more experiences with God? Are, are you terrified? I know some are like hungry. Okay, I saw Elise. She's like, yeah, I'm hungry. I believe it. I'm like, I believe that. Like she is hungry for more experiences with God. But some of us are terrified. Like, uh, yeah, ish. That's Okay. But it's going to require a step of faith. It's going to require a step from the outside as an observer into his presence saying, ooh, this presence, this isn't, okay, I can trust you. I, I trust this. I trust you. Refuge and strength, my support, mediator, good teacher. What is your experience with the Father? I'm, I'm going to go through all three persons of the Godhead here. What, what's your experience with our Heavenly Father? What is your experience with Jesus? What's your experience with the Holy Spirit? A lot of times we just, we keep them grouped into God. What's my experience with the Father is he's present for me in a way that, that I just never saw in, a, in another human. I've, I've never experienced someone always present with me like my Heavenly Father is always present, always ready, always available, never too busy. That's my Father. He's ever present. Not just in times of trouble, in times of folly even. If I just have something silly to convey to my father, he is there. He's like, listen, listening, like, come on, my boy. I'm all ears. That's my father. And I can put a name to that, and you can too, if you will stop and, and, and think about those experiences and forge forward with more. What about Jesus? the one who was not forced to this earth or forced to the cross, but he willingly gave his life so that the curse of death and sin could be broken and you had free access to the Father. He's your Savior. He's your Deliverer. He's your Redeemer. What's your experience with the Holy Spirit? Oh, precious guide. Precious guide. Mighty, powerful guide who told me to put my foot over the brake and that a girl was going to jump in front of the car. What a mighty, precious, powerful guide of every step. 
And based on those experiences, what names should you give to God? Because this intimate, man. And, and I know some of y'all, I'm going to look down so I don't make eye contact with anybody. So you don't know I'm talking about you, but I'm talking about you. I know intimacy is tough for some folks. And that giving them a name, like these intimate type of names, that's hard, man. That's intimate. And some of y'all just, it's hard for you. But when are you going to stop being an observer and, and standing back there with a critical or cynical or scared or fearful or disqualifying eye? And when are you going to step in and say, Lord, I, I want to experience you? Based on those experiences, what names would you give to God? So here's why this is key, because that is your testimony. That's your testimony. Your testimony is it? well, I was here and I did drugs and I beat some people up and I did this and I did that. And then, oh yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. Now I'm all better. That is, that's a, first of all, that's ridiculous. That's brutal. You just took 20 minutes talking about how bad you were in 30 seconds saying, and then God. Your testimony are the names you give him based on the experiences you give God. This is who God is to me. That's your testimony. That's what you share. This is who God is. And I'm no one special, and if God did it for me, he's going to do it for you. This is truth. No one can take this from me. Ah, Mark, I don't think that happened with the girl. Well, you're full of it. I'm right. Quit being cynical. God was awesome. This is how we talk to others about God. This is how we share Christ with others. By sharing the good and mighty and personal and authentic names that we have given to our God based on our experiences with God. Well, Mark, I don't know if that's true. It is true. I experienced it. You can't, I mean, I, 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 I was there. And God has cool experiences for you too, but you can't be a cynic in the pack anymore. Because we are the sum of these experiences we have with God. And some are just small and gentle, and they're still wonderful. Even the small and gentle ones are still so wonderful. Some are big and life-changing. And we are the sum of these things. Because then, being the sum of these experiences with God... The disqualifiers that you placed on your life of saying you're not worthy, those things go away because the experiences become reality and truth. And you're like, oh, no, no, God chose me. He, cho- he chose me for this and he used me in this. So apparently God must know something that I don't. I wouldn't choose me either. I, I get it. I wouldn't choose me. But God did. And he still chooses me daily. God is still taking the initiative to reveal himself to you in experiences. And it is perfectly great to ask for it, to long for it, to hunger for it, to talk to him about it, to look for it, to acknowledge it, and then to name him. It's like a really cool name.
calling on God's name is recognizing God for who he is. So call on his name. Calling on God's name indicates that you are seeking his presence. So call on his name. And calling on God's name often results in experiencing him yet again. So call on his name. God, you are so wonderful. You're so wonderful. Holy Spirit, would you please just draw to our remembrance and press upon our heart and our mind and our emotions and and everything, our will, just impress upon us the remembrance of the experiences you've invited us into and that you've amazed us with, blessed us with. Give us ears to hear that you are still inviting us to experience you. We thank you, Lord, when we experience you, that your voice becomes just a bit more distinguishable. It becomes a bit more familiar. And that's what we want. We want to hear you. We want to hear from you. We want to know you. And so we ask you today, Lord, we want to experience you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, even though church is over, church isn't over, right? Because we just opened up dialogue with the Lord that it hasn't ended because he wants to keep talking to you about this so let's make time let's make time to be with the Lord to talk to him to pause and to listen and let's be courageous in jumping into experience with God I uh, love y'all it's good to be back together um, let me give give you guys this blessing and then we're out the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an awesome day. Love you guys.